This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Fuck swans, man. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season three, episode 14 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Swan Song. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Bad Girls. There was one, maybe two themes I found in these two episodes. Um, I can think of one. Ladles? Ladles. Big ladles with strange purposes. (laughs) The other thing is the concept of not shutting someone out. At the end of Buffy, she tells someone not to shut her out. Mm -hmm. And um, Jess is also told not to shut someone out. Right. And Jess also killed an innocent. Yeah. (laughs) Are there innocents in Buffy or is that just a charm thing? What about wounds that people don't want to talk about? (laughs) Yeah, that too. Well, we'll get into all that, Brian. We had a day. Oh my God, we had a day. (sighs) Last week, we foreshadowed my birthday. And Brian got me a really sweet gift. He understood my need to go on a trip out of town. And we were going to go upstate to this cute little town you can take the train on. And we were going to stay at a friend's place and just, like, spend a long weekend in the town. The friend's not there, so it was just going to be us in a little bitty apartment up there, just going outside, getting out of the city. And he surprised me with it today so we could, like, get some of the plans started. And then our cat threw up. And then our cat started, like, breathing hard. And then he threw up again. And started panting. So we took him to the vet, and they were like, it sounds like a respiratory thing. So we're freaking out. We're like, does he have COVID? Does he have asthma? Like, what's wrong? And we're like, is it COVID? And they're like, cats can't get COVID. You're dumb. And we were like, they can't. And if you Google it, the first, like, seven things that come up are like, yeah, cats can get it. We were worried our cat got COVID because we both got the J&J vaccine, and it seems like every single day there's, like, a new side effect or, like, bad news about J&J. J&J, if you want to sponsor our podcast, it's, like, the least you could do. Yeah. We'll do ads for you, but, like, we won't put a lot of heart into them. Every single day it's like, by the way, if you got J&J, your foot might just fall off. It's rare, but it happens to, like, a lot of people. Like, cool, cool, cool. J&J. J&J. Like, they had their sunscreen recall that's like, you couldn't even get sunscreen right, J&J? J&J. J&J. If we gave our cat COVID, though, we didn't get symptoms, at least. So. Yeah, I mean, in that regard, it kept us from getting symptoms, if that's what happened. Yeah, we don't know that he has COVID. He is a firm COVID denier, though. He has said to me, it's just the flu. And I was like, whoa. It's the only thing he's ever said. So he's very passionate about that. He learned a little bit of English to tell us that. They gave us a medication, but we're just super worried about little Kurt Von cat. So we don't want to leave our cat with, like, some random babysitter sitter if he's not feeling well we have to like make sure he's eating and stuff yeah so we had to cancel our trip that sucks but but we'll go next month yeah we can go to celebrate the one year anniversary of our podcast did you know that's next month can you believe it's been a year uh no i can't yeah like late august is when we launched what a year it's been it's been quite a year yeah i'm really excited to go on the trip it sounds nice and i don't feel bad we can't go this weekend it's important we take care of the kitty cat yeah i think you'll be okay but we got some five star reviews brian that's nice yeah, thank you so much to Schmether and Flyaway Free Twenty One for the very kind reviews. We're glad you're enjoying our podcast so much. Thank you so much, guys. So let's talk about the episodes. Okay, it's a lot to break down here. So this week we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, what was Swan Song about? 
So this episode is about Rory introducing Jess to her grandmother and about Jess sort of learning about what he's going to have to do and how he's going to change to keep a relationship going with Rory. And also it's about Lane's relationship sort of being almost exposed to her band and her mother. Mm -hmm. And it's about Lorelai going on a date, but just a little bit. To New York? Yeah, we saw her. (laughs) So the episode opens on a Friday night dinner where Emily is just like going off just finishing up her 20-minute rant about her mother-in-law. I had to look up the word. She said she's, like, doing her bitty affairs. I had to look up bitty, which is, like, an old, annoying woman. But at some point, Lorelai suggests that maybe Trix just needs a new boyfriend. But it is kind of funny because Emily's like, oh, she did date a guy, but they broke up. I could just tell. It's interesting to me, though, because Emily says this, like, you could just see, like, a little, like, happiness in her smile. Like, kind of like, oh, I'm remembering her breaking up, and that makes me happy. Yeah. But it also sort of, like, a little bit of me was like, did you break them up, Emily? I could see Emily doing that. She's very manipulative. I think she was just trying to transition into Rory's thing, though. I know, but a little part of me was like, did you break them up? But yeah, then she goes on to be like, you can just tell when someone's broke up because they stopped mentioning them. And then this cues Rory to be like, oh, I should tell you I broke up with Dean. And Emily's like, huh, well, I figured, but I'm glad you confirmed it. I assumed you broke up with him 11 dinners ago. Yeah, she said you stopped mentioning him 11 dinners ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very specific number. Emily's brain is like a steel trap, man. (laughs) Like everything that happens, she remembers, I guess. Emily's all like, what if I had invited Dean to an event? It would have been awkward. And you were like, what event is she going to invite Dean to? But I'm like, she like plans events and invites Rory's friends all the time. Well, her event, she says she might invite him to is a wedding. But I'm like, what? unless it's your wedding, Emily, or Lorelai's wedding, why are you inviting people to anyone's wedding? I don't know. You the don't Kims have- do. <laughs> but my point is that Emily does. Like She arranged that uh, party for Rory's birthday. Yeah, that's true. But it was just dumb that she said wedding. Yeah. Then Rory mentions that she's dating Jess, and Emily's interested. But when they mention that Jess is related to Luke, I feel like you see a glimmer in Emily's eye that's like, oh, Luke? Ugh. Well, I don't know that it's Luke specifically. We've just, Emily knows about Luke's nephew being trouble. Oh, does she? Yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, She knew he broke her arm and stuff? You're right. I don't know. It was the mention of Luke that I felt like really made her unhappy. Mm. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're, you're, you are right that she did know that. I forgot. I thought Lorelai was just like, you know, Luke's nephew to like jog her memory mm-hmm. and be like, don't make a scene. Instead of saying, yeah, he's the one that broke Rory's arm. That makes sense. But Emily's all like, he should come to Friday night dinner. And Rory's like, oh, he's not free. He's got to work. But then Emily's all like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to come see him at graduation and I'll bring some of my DR friends. D-A-R. D-A-R. Her not Dominican, Dominican Republic, Republic friends. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that she doesn't have those. She might, you know. She's got a lot of little groups she meets with. One of them might be DRs, Dominican Republicans. (laughs) Maybe that's what they're called. I don't know. I don't know either. And it felt weird saying it, which is also maybe weird because that might be right and it shouldn't be weird. There's Dominican Republicans and Dominican Democrats. So she's saying like, essentially like, I'm going to make a really awkward scene at your graduation if he doesn't come to Friday night dinner. So Rory's like, um, it's no, he, he can come. I bet he's free. And Emily's like, oh, that's great. Good. And then Rory's all like, okay, but you're going to be nice, right? Like nice, nice. And Emily's like, yeah, nice, of course. I thought this was a fun callback because Lorelai did the same thing when Dean came over. She kept like saying the word nice to her mom, like her dog whistle. <laughs> Down, girl. Right. So Emily is like, this is all planned. She obviously wanted him there and was like trying to guilt trip her. She didn't know that she was dating someone else, though. I mean, if Emily could tell that she broke up with Dean, I could, I bet she could tell. She seems to be some like weird mentalist. 
Emily's thing was like a bluff, though. Like, she's not actually going to bring all her DAR friends to Rory's graduation. Well, it worked. Rory broke immediately. Yeah, probably just because she knew her grandma would keep being annoying about it or would, like, piss her off if she didn't do it. Before we go any further, I just want to mention, especially in this scene, but for the whole episode, really, Rory and Lorelai look, like, amazing. Yeah, Rory's got, like, curly hair the whole episode. Looks like she's going to prom. Yeah, her hair looks great. Obviously spent time on that hair. I guess prom's coming up. But will Jess go? He doesn't go to anything. I think they're just called Dominicans. Then they're at home and they're coordinating their schedules. Lorelai has like a weird post-it note scheduling thing that's clearly inefficient and bad. (laughs) They're like, you want to watch the bonus features from Lord of the Rings? And Lorelai's like, oh, all they have is that fat guy talking. And I'm like, do you mean the guy who directed it? The famous director? Peter? You don't know who Peter Jackson is? You make pop culture references every two seconds. That happened in the next scene, too. Rory references the guy who does the Inside the Actors Studio interviews and doesn't say his name. She just describes him like I just did. But then they're like, no, let's watch Footloose again. But I'm just trying to figure out what time is it right now? Let's say dinner takes an hour, and then they're just like, we're taking off afterwards. Let's say they're done with dinner by 8. It's maybe 8.30. They did their schedule thing. It might be 9. Nine's not crazy to start a movie. We start movies at like midnight. We are different than most people. That's true. So then we have a scene where Rory's showing Jess this book she's reading. She's like really into it. It's like an older book. He seems really interested in it too. And then he goes to take the book because I think he thinks she's giving it to him. I thought it was a gift. Yeah, and she's like, no, I'm reading it. I just like to talk to you about the books I'm reading. And he calls her a book tease, and I get (gasps) that. Oh, that's like a foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing? Yeah. What? She's kind of a dick tease later. Oh. I don't know if that was meant to be, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's like, hey, by the way, can you get off work on Friday? He's like, yeah, probably. And she's like, cool. Can you like come to Friday night dinner, which I wouldn't even want to go to? And he's all like, You love Rory. (laughs) He doesn't want to go, of course. And she's just like, come on, please. And he says that she's trying to manipulate him, which is like, oh, yeah, we just set up that like that runs in your family. Mm. She's like, I'll give you the book. And she kisses him. And so he's like, okay, I'll go. He gets in the car, and as she tries to walk away, Miss Patty, like a secret agent, like pops her head out from her studio, and she's like, Rory, get over here now, no questions. (laughs) Already funny. Yeah. And drags her into, like, her studio where she's putting on, like, a play for, like, a focus group. The focus group is just people she's grabbed from the street and told to sit down. Her one-woman show is directed by Kirk, another job he has, and he's just, like, yelling out crazy stuff he wants to do. We've seen his independent movies, and I feel like he's bringing that vibe to his directing style. He's adding random disco, and he wants her to, like, change one of her true stories to involve a murder. Yeah, he's like, yeah, this story bombed. We need to change it. But Dean's there with his weird winged hair. It's so pronounced because there's like a light behind him. Yeah. So he's just got like angel wings of hair just like fluffing around this whole episode. And Rory sits right next to him. He says something that doesn't make sense. He's like, if I had seen you, I would have warned you not to come in. And she's like, I don't know who would have saved. No one could have saved me. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, what? Okay. There's no way Dean could have seen her walk by. The door is like in an opposite part of the room. Patty just like pops her head out and sees Rory. Like no one could have seen. I don't, there's no way Dean could have saved her. But there's no way that Miss Patty like stopped the play, just walked to the door when she heard someone outside. I don't know like what happened. Yeah, I don't understand how she's getting people in here. There's she's kind of a lot of people in there taking breaks and looking for people to add to the room occasionally. Yeah, I don't know. I do want to say that as someone who just watched a pretty tough to watch one woman show. This sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. She's probably more talented and has more interesting things to say. Oh, I would watch a Miss Patty show. So this scene is essentially, like, to be funny, but also to have her kind of being friendly with Dean. 
So then we cut to later where Rory's at home and she goes to the door and lo and behold, her mother is on the side making out with Alex. Alex is his name, right? Mm-hmm. Why does she even go to the door? I think she just hears something. Kissing, moaning sounds or something. I would assume that I don't need to investigate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I live in New York where you don't investigate sounds. It's not ever good. Maybe it was the swan. Might have been the swan. We do hear him later. Or her. So she goes to the door. Her mom's making out. And then they're kind of joking about it. And her mom's all like, we got to come up with a system for this, right? I don't know. I mean, I bet that's weird. But like, I feel like they didn't handle it well. They handled it like they do on sitcoms. Like, oh, I pull my collar. What do I do? Like, just be like, oops, sorry. And then you shut the door. I feel like after she almost married a man, Rory shouldn't be weirded out about her mom dating. Yeah. I mean, she isn't like, this is disgusting, but she's definitely like sweaty anime character. Like, Right. Like, like, just chill out. So Lorelai tells her daughter that Alex wants to take her and Jackson and Suki to New York to see a Broadway play. Apparently she talks about Jackson and Suki all the time and he really wants to hang out with them. So, because of this, Rory will be going to Friday night dinner alone with Jess. And she's like, is that going to be okay? And Rory's like, yeah, that, that'll be fine. It'll maybe even be easier because sometimes you're a bit much. She's like, you kind of make stuff awkward, which she does. Yeah, and she's awkward with Jess herself. Yeah. I can't decide which is a worse situation. Lorelai there is a buffer or just not. Yeah. But then Jess calls. Everything's cool, right? Jess is calling. She loves Jess. Jess is a little upset because he found a flyer for Patty's, Miss Patty's show. It's been like an hour. <laughs> yeah. That says that she and Dean were there and like loved the show. Also, Kirk did not direct it. That's what it says in the bottom. <laughs> that was funny because there's creative differences, I guess. So he like doesn't love it, but like he doesn't like get angry. He's just sort of like, why were you seeing him? You're just being friendly, huh? And she's like, yeah, we're just being friendly. And then he says, you know, I would just... Love it if you told me these things instead of me having to read it on a flyer. He just got out of work. Like, this is the first contact they've had since the show. Yeah, I mean, she's supposed to, like, text him or call him the second she sees Dean. I don't think she would have told him, if I'm being honest. Sure. But it's not like she lied about it for a week. Right. And he lies later in the episode. Right. But also, it's not been enough time that you could even say someone was withholding that information. Right. It's crazy that those flyers existed. That's only in Stars Hollow. But they're fine. He's like, just tell me these things. He's not going to fly off the handle. So then we come to Sunday at the Gilmore house. The band's in the kitchen. They're just talking. And then Lorelai almost outs Lane and Dave's relationship, which remember, they're keeping a secret from the band for some reason. Don't know why. Lorelai says something like, you guys don't have any love songs. You'd think that Lane and Dave would love to have love songs. It's really funny because you think that they didn't hear Lorelai's comment. Like Zach just keeps talking about the food or whatever they're talking about. And then he's like, what was that thing you said about Lane and Dave being in love? Yeah, it was a great misdirect. What Lorelai said was dumb, even if the band knew, though. Like, what a weird thing to say. Yeah, I know. Like, why embarrass them, even if the band does know? But then Lorelai's save was also super funny. She's like, you know, because, like, love. Like, the last two letters of Dave and Lane has an L, and then you just got to change that A to an O. And <laughs> <laughs> they, like, bought it, I think. I think Zach's just in love with Lorelai, so he'll just take whatever she says. Yeah? Yeah. So you'll end up together? I think so. I think that's where the show's going. Okay. Am I... Right? About Zach and Lorelai? Yeah. Right. Okay, it's, we're going to see. It's too early to say. I think I know what happens. I think they hook up. Okay. There's kind of a funny scene where Dave and Lane are talking about their, like, secret plans to, like, hang out with each other. And Lorelai's like, aren't you tired of, like, these complicated plans? And then they lay out this, like, heavily complicated plan of, like, walking through the woods at the right time to see each other on the way home. And he's like, these aren't complicated. What are you talking about? 
Then we cut to Luke's because Lorelai needs coffee because she needs to go shopping for clothes because apparently she doesn't have enough. I think she has a lot of clothes, actually. Which Luke also points out. Yeah, so she says she needs clothes, and then Luke is like, you got plenty of clothes, and then starts, like, listing her clothes like a psychopath. And, like, what would go with what? Yeah. This is from a guy who, like, barely can dress himself, by the way. (laughs) She's like, let me buy clothes, Luke. (laughs) Which, fair, he was being insane, but also she bought him clothes once without permission, so whatever. So they're both kind of in extremes, I feel like. He doesn't ever buy clothes. Maybe she buys too many clothes. We should meet in the middle uh, with their child together. Okay. But she's ending up with Zach. Yeah, I mean, the child, that's a whole weird storyline with the child, and it's unwanted, and it's weird. Christopher ends up raising it. I don't know. It's weird. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's true. Predictions you're making. <laughs> you think Christopher was going to raise a child? Yeah. Uh, well, after Sherry decides that she's going to sell her baby in a business deal, <laughs> she, you know, gets rid of the child, and then Christopher's like, oh, I want to raise one. And, but then at this point, Rory's all like, I'm raised, bitch. And he's like, you're right. Let's get a new one. And that's when they have Luke and Lorelai's baby. Anyway, this is all canon. We'll get there. I bet my predictions are true. I'm sure some jumble of those words happens. Yeah. Luke, he's like knows a ton about New York. Yeah, Luke knows a ton about New York because apparently like Nicole likes shows and we already set up that he'll like do research for her. Oh yeah. So he's got like a book upstairs about like Broadway stuff and he tells Lorelai like you can just go upstairs and grab it if you want. It's on the nightstand. So she goes upstairs, opens the door, and wouldn't you know it, she walks in on her daughter and Jess, like, making out hardcore on the couch. And it's a fun mirror of the other scene. And she's like, oh, we should uh, come up with a system. <laughs> she hangs out for way too long. I mean, I think she kind of wants them to stop, but, like, isn't going to tell her daughter that. Yeah, I mean, the next step is for her to go, but what she's supposed to do, like, ask Rory to come with her? She comes running downstairs, and she's, like, goes up to Luke. She's like, dude! <laughs> that was really <laughs> funny. Dude, they're up there. They're going to have sex. Like, you're just letting them up there. And he's like, no, I've got a system. I go up there every 10 minutes. I actually thought this was super funny because she's like, whatever. He's like, no, I do. And he pulls out a box of various items. He's like, I keep going up there looking for stuff. Every 10 minutes. And then every week I go up and replace this all up there. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. I was, like, shocked for a while, too, that he was letting them up there because he just made a big deal of Jess being up there alone with her, like, two episodes ago. Yeah. So Lorelai's all like, okay, but I'll have you know that 10 minutes is all it took for me to make Rory, and I still had time to reapply my lip balm. Liquid line. I don't know if I'm right, but it's not liquid line. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been a different facial liquid or gel. So then we cut back to the Gilmore house. Lorelai is getting ready for her trip. She's having a crisis because she's packed too well. And she's like, I don't know what to wear in the car because it should be cute, but not too cute because I want my nightdress to be the star of the show. Is this a real dilemma women have? I don't know that I've personally had the dilemma, but I totally understood what she meant. Lorelai has like a quick chat with Rory where she's like, so are you okay coming home alone to an empty house? Obviously, she is troubled by the idea that Rory might hook up with Jess in the house and she doesn't trust Jess. Or Rory's hormones. But she, like, doesn't handle this well. Like, I kind of thought this was all kind of dumb. Because she's all like, you should stay at Grandma's. That'll just be easiest for everybody, right? Yeah, she just needs to be like, I don't want Jess coming in the house if I'm not here. Sorry. But maybe then she can't do that. Because, like, when she went out of town that other time, I feel like she fully expected Dean to come over. And she was kind of fine with that. I think she trusted Dean. Yeah. I feel like they've implied that they've had the conversation about sex. Yeah. But I think she just needs to direct, be like, hey, I don't love the idea of Jess coming over here. But specifically, I just want to make it clear that, like, you you need to be careful. There's no way she hasn't told her how to not get pregnant. Yes, I agree. I feel like 
people like Rory that are born when their parents are teenagers must be like very aware yeah, of agreed. what their parents had to go through. It's just so obvious to me what Lorelai is like getting at and worried about. And it just, I don't know, it's very eye rolly. It's fine because Rory doesn't have time to think about that. Yeah, stuff. I was going to say, but then Rory's response is equally dumb. Like, Mom, I've got so much on my mind, I don't have time to even think about that. That's number one, scary than if you did have time to think about it because then you might be like oh yeah sex you know I should have planned for this nah I didn't I didn't have time to think about it right like I doubt when Laura Lila walked in on them Rory was thinking about her Paris problems when you're making out on the couch I mean that's kind of what you're thinking about you know it's the same ballpark I know when I'm getting made out with hard on a couch all I can think about is my history paper <laughs> yeah getting into Harvard I'm always thinking about that yeah but I am dating a woman named Harvard <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a cool name. Yeah, she's she's not cool, though, but her name is really cool. <laughs> so then we cut to Friday night dinner, and Rory's talking to Emily, and she mentions something about, like, her uniform at school and how she kind of likes it because she doesn't have to, like, stress out about thinking about what to wear. Because apparently she only has a little bit of room in her brain. She can only think about certain things. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, though. I was like, oh, for women, that might be, like, kind of an actual thing. Kind of relieves some stress to not have to worry about what you're wearing. Not yeah. that men don't also, but I feel like women have a lot more outfit accessories and stuff that they... They focus on. You trying to say bitches be shopping? I see bitches be dressing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But Jess is late. And Emily's like weirdly okay with that. Like normally, you know, Emily, she'd be like, "Mm, why? where is he? He should be here on time. And she's like super chill about it for some reason. Uh, And she even like suggests reasons that he might be late. She said there's a bunch of traffic on the highway. That's probably what it was. Then Jess shows up with a giant black eye. He already looks like he's not in a good mood. Rory's kind of like, what happened to your black eye? And then Emily's like, oh, is that new? (laughs) I thought that was funny. (laughs) Emily handles this whole experience delightfully. Yeah. Clearly she's trying to like make a point that she can be relaxed and nice. Not always judgmental. But Emily is just so funny in this scene. She's like, I heard you're part of the Walmart Corporation. (laughs) Yeah. We've never been to one, but we have their stock. Yeah. And he's all like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like Jess is being as nice as he can be to Emily. Yeah, and Emily, like, laughs at one of his jokes, even. I mean, I don't think Jess is capable of being more charming to a grandparent. Yeah, he's not actively insulting her, which I think is, like, wow, pinnacle Jess niceness. Rory's the one that's making it weird, but Jess... You say that, but... I mean, I guess we skipped, like, the fact that Rory immediately is like, what's wrong with your eye? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be here. Let's just do this. Yeah. And Rory wants to talk about it, which I get. Yeah, well, we should mention that in a previous scene, and we didn't mention this, when Jess calls her and is talking about her seeing Dean, and he's like, it's not that big of a deal. It's just every time I see him, I want to punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. So we already set up a reason that she would suspect that that black guy is from Dean. Yes, plus everything else that's happened in the show. Yeah, uh, every episode until right now. Emily gets up at some point to get salt and pepper, and Rory's like in his face, like, tell me what happened. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Emily comes back, and Rory's like, no, we're not going to drop this shit. (laughs) She's like, sorry, Grandma, I need to talk to him in the other room. So he takes her into the room. There's a giant painting of Rory that Jess is like, what? (laughs) We saw that painting happen, remember? Yeah. And he's just like, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah, she posed with a bird. Yeah. Maybe it was the swan. Oh, I wonder if the bird is what? (laughs) That's funny. He doesn't want to talk about the black guy. She's like, I know it's from Dean. He's like, it's. does he say it's not? I don't think so. He's just like, oh, you're assuming it's from him, huh? And she's like, I know it is. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. So he's not denying it 
So I see why she's like, we need to talk about the fact that you just like got into a big fight with my ex-boyfriend. I get that he doesn't want to talk about it. He's in a bad mood. He was stuck in traffic. That's why he was late. Right. But I said he had that whole drive to think of a lie. Yeah. He ends up telling her a lie in the long run. So if you weren't going to tell her the truth, spend that 45 minutes in the car thinking of a lie. Yeah. Or tell her the truth. The truth wasn't that bad. No, I've gotten into swan fights. Yeah. We're jumping ahead of ourselves, though. Jess is essentially just like, you know what? Fine, I'm leaving. And Emily's like, oh, is he fetching something from his car? Still pleasant as fuck. He's not coming back. Sad, Rory. Then we cut to New York. Where Lorelai has borrowed Amy Sherman Palladino's clothes. Yeah. She's wearing, like, an exact outfit Amy's worn to the Emmys, I'm pretty sure. She's got, like, a big, stupid hat on, all black. They went to see Levittown? Is that a real play i don't remember what plays there were 20 years ago and they're talking about how good it was but it, they're talking about it in the way that's like oh i loved the lighting it sounds like when a comic gets off stage and i hated everything about their set and they're like how'd it go and then i find the one thing that was so fine about it like oh man the way you like talked into the mic so yeah. clearly <laughs> that act out i really liked how you put your hand in the air like <laughs> like anything i can find like your breath couldn't smell it dude but then they openly shit on it they're like making fun of how simple the song was or something yeah. Alex comes out and is like, it sucked, right, guys? And they're like, yeah, it did. And they're like, let's go get some drinks. Alex seems like an alcoholic. What? Mm -hmm. We we haven't seen him drink once. Yeah, I can tell. He was drinking coffee. Was it coffee? Or was he trying to, it was a little hair of the dog. Okay. No, he's not. He just says, let's get drinks. And they're like, cool, cool. Lorelai goes to call her daughter to like check in with her, you know, the way that Luke checks in with his son all the time. Luke has a son? It's Paris's twin. You did predict that Luke's had a secret daughter that is Paris. Yeah, I'm very consistent, boo. None of this was mistakes that I've tried to turn into sounding like it was right. It's all right. Alex is like, do you want to call her? If you do, that's fine. But you told me to tell you that, like, maybe you shouldn't. And so she doesn't. Like, I trust my daughter. The next day, of course, she calls her immediately in the morning from her hotel, from the bed. It's probably the first thing she did when she woke up. Alex is down at the bar. (laughs) Probably. Does that mean they had sex? I guess she could have had her own room. We didn't. Like, I don't remember if we saw like men's pants. Lying I feel around. like they had sex though. She's just like they're very affectionate this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. She made baby in ten minutes. Okay. She knows what she's doing. She made baby in ten minutes. Yeah, she made baby ten minutes. Rory is also in bed, but she. I could tell right away she's at her grandma's house. You can just tell. She just reeks of money. <laughs> Emily just, like, walks in the room. I don't think she knocked. And then demands to know who she's on the phone with. Yeah, and then she's like, is that Jess? Get out of here. So Rory gives her mom a rundown of what happened. Her mom's like, I'm really sorry. Rory's like, Emily actually was great. She was, like, super cool. I call her Emily now. (laughs) Yeah, because, like, Lorelai was fully expecting her mom to have been the reason the night went badly. Yeah. So then Lorelai talks to her mother. I mean, you could see this coming. It's just like classic sitcom stuff where she starts to thank her mother for being so cool. And then her mother like goes from cool to like not cool immediately. How can you let her date that man? That guy's the worst. He got in a car crash and he had a black eye. How could you? He belongs in jail. That's her last line. Did she say he doesn't have a cell phone when earlier she like told Rory she liked that about him? Yeah. Then we have a quick scene outside where Dave is with the band and they pull up to like a traffic light and they're talking about nothing important and Miss Kim walks by. And then Dave says to everyone in the car like, just shut up, don't say anything and just go along with what I'm saying. So Miss Kim's like, Lane's got a crush on you. Be careful. Who are these people? You know, she's got to ask. Dave is like, oh, this is my combo. <laughs> For a combo is. Is that a musical term? I don't know. But yeah, he lies and says they're like a Christian band. Yeah, they're all like, what? And then (laughs) Miss Kim's like, I'll hire your combo sometime. 
Don't speed. Don't speed. <laughs> I love that she's got to be like, don't speed. It was a funny scene. Then we have a quick scene in a supermarket where Rory walks in and asks Dean, hey, what's going on with Dean? You guys getting a fight? He's like, we didn't get in a you fight. You said she asked Dean what's going on with Dean. And Dean's like, that's a weird way to phrase that. <laughs> Dean is good. How's Rory? Rory's like, Rory, good. Time to think of sex. No. Rory's all like, what's going on with Jess? Did you guys get a fight? Dean's like, no, I didn't see Jess at all yesterday. I don't know what you're talking about. Also, I don't really love talking about Jess. Can we not? She's like, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Well, anyway, I'm going to make you lust after me some more, and I'm going to make it weird and string you along. So, bye. Got to go curl my hair again. Yeah, my hair is perfect in every scene. I was just asleep. Then we cut to Luke's, where Luke is like, whoa, what happened to your eye? Jess won't tell him. Luke also assumes it was Dean. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you? I feel like it's fair to assume it's Dean. It's probably his biggest enemy currently. But Jess is just like, well, why is everyone just assuming, huh? And it's like, well, I mean, because you're a to- just the one dude in town that you, like, want to punch. And you've said that you want to punch. So Luca finally, like, grabs him and is like, what happened? Tell me. And so Jess does tell him. And I want to say that I kind of hate this because Jess tells him that it's the swan that, like, did this to him. For a second, we can't tell if this is true or not. But I, it, like, kind of rings true. But Luke, like, kind of laughs at him. And I'm like, Luke, this is the second time where you forced him to share something and be vulnerable. And then you've immediately mocked him for that. Yeah. The first one was the Walmart. The second one is the Swan. You're teaching him that vulnerability is bad. Yeah. It's no wonder that Jess is not getting better. It's true. So I kind of hate that about Luke. It's fine to rib somebody, but, like, not when you forced it out of him. Yeah, I hear that. It is funny, though. It would be one thing if if Luke sort of, like, couldn't help but find it funny, but I feel like he's sort of like, ha, 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 at you. He is kind of trying to hide his laughs and listen, but I don't know. He's not doing a great job. To be fair, I think Jess would do the same to him. Sure. But Luke's an adult. He should be able to handle it. Um, we do notice there's a bunch of corn in here, and earlier we were told that corn was on sale. Yeah. So Rory's yeah. like, Dean, do you have anything to tell me? <laughs> at the <laughs> grocery store? So, I mean, thanks, Amy. You really have a tight script this time. <laughs> I think Daniel wrote this one. Tight script, buddy. So it was a swan. And I will say that swans are dangerous. I've said this in a previous podcast. I had a swan bite my hand super hard when I was a kid. I was trying to feed it bread. I was like, this is the most beautiful duck ever. And then it just like bit my hand hard. And I went home crying and my hand was all red. Fuck swans, man. And what did your dad say? He laughed at me. And then that's when I learned to never be vulnerable. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah. Your dad's been on our podcast. He has. You guys remember Mr. Morris from that one Charmed section where we interviewed him about the one episode of Charmed he watched? Yeah, like years ago that he clearly did not remember. He did know that Leo was a dog. Yes, he knew that to be true. Anyway, in this scene, it's kind of funny. Just decides he's going to get revenge on the swan in this moment because of his humiliation, I guess. And so he grabs a giant ladle. Ladle number one. That I guess he's going to beat it with. And Luke's all like, whoa, cu- well, hold on, and like goes with him. Then we cut to them out on a rowboat. I don't buy that like they went through all this trouble, that they went to the lake and then got on a rowboat. You don't need to get in a rowboat to find a swan, especially if it's looking to fight. I mean, the swan was on the water. Well, Luke should have just pushed Jess in. He's done it before. Yeah. But I, he's like chickens out. He just like doesn't do it. He doesn't hit the swan. Well, he says that it's swimming away because it's scared away because there's two of them. <laughs> He's like, keep your eye on it. And he's like, I am. It's pretty. (laughs) It said something about his butt. Yeah. The real purpose of this scene is to confine Jess and Luke somewhere where Jess can't just walk away in a huff. Oh, yeah. Which is this boat in the middle of a lake. He can't walk away. So he has to listen to Luke. And Luke is essentially like, hey, man, like, you have to understand that I get that you like Rory, but like, she comes as a package with her family. Yes. 
Shane's chlamydia is Rory's family. <laughs> That's what he says. Are you talking about the Petri dish line? Yeah. With Shane, yeah, yeah. But he's like, you know, you, you're going to have to get along with these people, uh, and you're going to have to go to these kind of things. And Jess, like, is clearly like, <clears throat> okay. He's also like, don't be jealous of Dean, because you're going to drive her away. Yeah. And he says, like, stop ignoring her. Specifically, it was like, you can't just shut down always. Like, you're going to have to talk to her. You know, Jess is like, but like you could tell he like is absorbing this information. Jess like seems shocked when Luke says that he's going to have to go to more functions like this. Yeah. I'm like, Jess, buddy, that's this what an adult relationship is. Like, I know you don't love those things, but like if that's the kind of person you want to date, you, you do have to compromise a little. Yeah. And it's not like he's dating Rory because he just wants to bang her. No, like I think he respects her. Exactly. So yeah, it's like, sure, you could date this girl that's got interests you don't care about if you're not into her. But if you do love her, then you have to do the thing she wants to do. I guess though he's got this whole like beatnik sort of outlook on life though. Maybe he's not like thinking about the fact that he's gonna marry Rory and has to like get to know her family, you know? He's just right. sort of like, this is what I'm doing right now. Right. But still, I, I don't know. Yeah. Then we cut back to the garage where the band is meeting again and they're confronting Dave and Lane. And they can tell some they're hiding something. Immediately, to me anyway, I know what the scene is. They're like, I can't believe you guys are hiding that. You're Christians. And hey, that's cool with me. Christians can rock. You can be Christian and be cool. To me, it was like, this is the obvious joke that's coming up. So the band still doesn't know about Lane and Dave. Yes. Uh, Alex then drops off Lorelai. They're super affectionate. Not like grossly affectionate, but it's just like clear that they're like dating, dating. Like she's like touches his back. They're kissy. Lorelai's starving. But like when isn't she starving? And she tells Rory she should get her some food. So Rory decides to go to Al's takeout. We know that because we see her a little bit later walking home with a lot of Al's takeout. A lot, a lot. Huge bags. She walks past Luke's and then Jess walks out and he's like, "Uh, hey, I want to talk to you. And he's clear he's trying to, like, mend stuff. And she's like, oh, I guess I should have believed you. And I have to learn to trust you as much as I trusted Dean. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And she's like, well, what did happen? I need to know. And then he's like, okay, well, I guess since we're being honest and relationships are about trust. uh, Then it's funny because so slightly you hear, like, a swan. (laughs) We watched it twice. Like, just the slightest ghost of a swan Yeah. And then he just says a lie. He says he got hit by a football. Unless he was lying to Luke, but Unless that Unless he sense. was lying to Luke. Wait, that's a very elaborate lie, and they went out looking for the swan? He seemed legit mad. Yeah, and I feel like you could tell Luke, like, I was playing with a football and it hit me in the face. That's fine. So I think the swan story's real. So it's weird that he lies to Rory, especially when it's like, what is Rory gonna do if you tell her the truth? And you, like, shamed Rory for lying to you. Yeah. I don't, it's like he gets off on lying? Is he lying to her because he thinks she's lied to him? Maybe because of the comments she made about Dean, he's like a little mad. I don't know. They seem fine now, though. And he even says, like, something about the next time he goes to Friday Night Dinner. That doesn't make sense. I mean, I hope we find out more about this. But, like, to me, I feel like we won't. I don't know. Are we missing something, audience? Why does he lie? Then they kiss, and she says to him, keep thinking what you're thinking. Part of me is like, did she just, like, feel that he had, like, a massive boner? But then he's like, well, I don't have a choice. And then she leaves and goes home. She gives the food to her mom. She's like, hey, mom, I know earlier I said that, like, I'm too busy to think about it. But, like, maybe I'm not too busy to think about it. And it might happen sometime soon-ish with Jess. So Lorelai's like, uh, 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 Jess? Uh, uh." She's like, okay, well, I want to know if it happens you know, before. Sh- yeah, but she's like, could you tell me before? Which is weird. And like Rory kind of calls her out on that a little bit. Like right before? Yeah, I mean like what? It's not going to like call Jess and plan it. 
I feel like it could happen like within the next couple times they hang out. To be fair, when you're like this age, I feel like you sometimes maybe do plan it. Yeah, that's true. I'm wondering, have they done like hand stuff? There's no way they haven't done hand stuff. Like, I feel like you don't just do sex. Right. You like touch things first. Like what? Boobies and tubies. Boobies and tubies? <laughs> My parents didn't talk to me about sex, okay? And I went to a Christian school. I don't know what the parts are called. Uh, yeah, I mean, Miss Kim was my teacher, so I have no idea. Is the tube the man or the one? It's both. One's an innie, one's an outie. Okay. Hey, Roy, it's me, Jess. You want to play boobies and tubies later? <laughs> boobies and tubies. Then the two women eat, and there's like this like melancholy, kind of bittersweet music that plays while they just like slowly eat. Weird, man. It's just like, oh, my daughter's gonna fuck. Hmm. Well, I think it's just like awkward. They don't know what to say, and they always are talking. I agree. I, but it's still, it's just like, oh, that's weird. But then they put their arms around each other. Yeah. She loves her daughter. I get it. It's, I can't imagine how weird it is to know that your kid's gonna have sex. Yeah. Like, I was not in a position to tell my mom that ever. But, like, I don't know. I guess that is their relationship to talk about it. Right. The awkwardness of just, like, it being taboo. Beyond that, there's also the, like, okay, but there's a lot of baggage. Like, you got to be careful. Like, I, it's, yeah, it's probably difficult. I mean, I definitely grew up with the said or unsaid rule of don't have sex until you're married. Or I feel like Lorelai can't exactly preach that. Right. She could tell, like, cautionary tales, but I feel like she's not in a position to be like, you can't have sex. Right. As a teenager. Well, I don't even know that she believes that to be true, like, that one shouldn't have sex when they're a teenager. No, I think she thinks it's inevitable. Yeah, you should have responsible sex as a teenager. That's it. That's the whole episode. Yeah. So, Stace, you think this is a good one? I do. Yeah? I think it was good. The opening scene was really good. They did cool stuff with the cameras, kind of panning around Emily as she was telling that Trix story. And I liked the way she sort of manipulated Rory. You don't see that a lot. She's usually manipulating Lorelai, but like Rory snapped back at her, pointing out that she can be a bit much. Yeah. I hear what you're saying about the Luke stuff being sort of, I guess, toxic, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Luke was very funny. All the Swan stuff was super funny. Well, it's funny, especially because Jess presents himself as ultra high status. Even though Jess can be a bit of a dick, even a Rory sometimes, like, he was kind of harsh with her in the dinner scene. I agree. I've never seen him be quite that mean to her when they've been dating. But I will say, I think they have delightful chemistry when they're happy, and it's kind of fun to watch. Sure, I agree with that. They're both beautiful. Yeah. Her hair looks great. His hair looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. And his crooked little mouth is so cute. (laughs) So just watching them be like flirty and happy with each other is kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. They did date in real life. I don't exactly know when during the timeline of the show. That might be why they feel so good together. Mm -hmm. But I, I just feel like they're a more believable couple than her and Dean. And I thought the scene at the end was nice. I thought it was well acted with like Lorelai's reaction. I agree. I agree. I would say it wasn't a, like an incredibly funny episode like some of the other ones, but it was still good. There were some really solid jokes, though, where I laughed really hard. Yeah. It was a good one. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 3, Episode 14, The Good, The Bad, and The Cursed, Phoebe somehow becomes psychically and physically linked with the violent past of an old West ghost town, complete with horses, petticoats, cowboys, and six-shooters, and Prue must go back in time to save her sister from a horrifying fate. 
Well, this sounds like garbage. <laughs> this sounds terrible. I love how it's just like, you know, somehow they got linked. I don't know. It has an 8.4 on IMDb. That's not too bad. Well, I think this episode is pretty self-explanatory what happens. I guess the reason that she becomes psychically and physically linked is because she goes to an steakhouse. Well, you went into that so confident. And then what happened to you on your way there? I realized I didn't have an exit. <laughs> so she goes to this- <laughs> Outback Steakhouse. Outback Steakhouse is what I was going to say, but then I realized, like, that's that's not... That's Australian. That's Australian. That's not Old West. But this one, we had a makeover. Right. She goes to, like, a like a Western-themed steakhouse? Yeah, it's an old Outback Steakhouse that someone bought and converted it a little bit. So they kept some of the same props. Yes. But she eats some real bad shrimp, and that's how she becomes psychically linked. Yeah. Real bad, cursed shrimp. <laughs> it's cursed by a real bad man. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a really good man. So, uh, so she, she what? <laughs> it's the good, the bad, and the curse, boo. Oh, right, 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 right. So she's still like in the Outback Steakhouse. She's having a party with some of her friends. Yeah, dinner party. Right. But like, she feels like she's in the old west. She feels like she's in the old west. She's physically and psychically linked. So she's like existing on a different plane. Yes, sort of. Even though she's physically in the Outback Steakhouse, I think she physically is like. Asleep in the real world, but anything that happens to her in the in the past like affects her present day body. But she's sleeping at the Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, which is okay at this one because it's got that weird new owner who bought it. I think she's like sleepwalking though. Like I think she's moving around. Like she keeps interacting with this guy she thinks is a cowboy, but it's like just a waiter. It's right. like, ma'am, sit down and eat your shrimp. It's cursed. I'm the bad man. <laughs> but Prue shows up because the good man goes and gets her. <laughs> the good man is another one of the servers. Yeah, and that's his name. It's Saul Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long time ago. They had it first. He goes and gets Prue. Prue's not hard to find. She stands out. She's half cartoon. Right. And she travels back in time because she can travel through paintings and they have an old exactly. Western painting in their attic. There's also old Western paintings at that steakhouse, which they don't use, which is like a weird offer. But uh, yeah, she goes back, saves her from a terrible fate, which is to obviously be killed by crabs. Western crabs? Yeah. They're like little crabs, little hats. Yeah, they have little guns. Six shooters. Mm-hmm. Pew, pew. Yeah, and I, some of you guys might be like, that sounds ridiculous, but it's not. That's what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're so good at these. Yeah, and I think that's probably what happens, honestly, verbatim. So you can tell us if we're wrong, but I think we're right. Yeah. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. So then we watched Buffy. Stacy, tell us about Bad Girls. Bad Girls is about Faith expressing to Buffy that slayers can do whatever they want because they're slayers. And Buffy's like, you know what? You're right. We can do whatever we want. And then Buffy's like, wait a minute. I don't want to do as much as you do, Faith, because Faith does some bad stuff. Yeah. Also, a new watcher comes to town and nobody likes him. I hope someone likes him. And maybe the most memorable monster of the week I've ever seen. Yeah. And like the mayor is up to some stuff. Oh my God. There's too much happening this episode. There is a lot going on this episode. It's a lot. It's a lot. Let's go. Starts with Buffy and Faith fighting some vampires who are wearing matching outfits. Faith's barely paying attention to the fight. She wants to talk about how she can't believe that Buffy's never slept with Xander. But Buffy just doesn't get off on slaying the way that Faith does or get off on Xander the way that Faith does. (laughs) So they kill the vampires, but surprise, there's an extra one and he's got swords and he almost gets Buffy. Faith saves her, and Faith doesn't seem to think it's a big deal that Buffy kind of almost died, which is Faith's M.O. now, I think. Yeah, this is not the first time. And uh, won't be the last time in this episode that somebody maybe dies. 
But they notice that the vampires' swords have also disappeared. Swords don't disappear. Stakes do, but not swords. Mr. Trick must have somehow snuck up behind them and stolen the swords, because in the next scene, he's giving them to the mayor. He, Mr. Trick, and Alan, that, like, quivering assistant of the mayor, are all having a conversation about their favorite cartoons, and they're wondering if these swords and this new type of vampire that they belong to will interfere with the upcoming dedication. Alan suggests they postpone the dedication, and that's a big no. The mayor's like, the dedication is the final step before my ascension, something he's apparently been waiting for for a long time, and he says that after 100 days, he'll be on a higher plane, and he'll no longer be concerned with the little things. That's a lot. It's a lot. I also want to talk about the ridiculousness of this whole sword situation. Sure. So, two of the vampires have swords. We don't see a lot of vampires with swords. That's true. We Didn't have... one guy have two swords? Yeah. But we've seen demons with swords. So, it's. I feel like it wouldn't be that crazy that one had a sword. But also, like you were saying, what is, is Mr. Trick just like hiding in a bush during this fight? I know. And then, even if he is, he's like, oh, I gotta grab those swords? Maybe use the swords to kill Buffy and Faith while they're just standing there. Yeah. I don't know. It seems a little weird. Silly, too, that Trick would think those swords were important himself. Anyway. And then the mayor goes into his creepy cupboard for a disinfecting wipe. That's it. At school, Willow's gotten into all the same schools as Rory. I hope they end up in the same place. Oh, that'd be nice. Nice crossover. What if they do? I mean, what if they go to the same school? We'll find out. We'll find out. Oz has black hair now. That's what he's up to. Is this why you got black hair? Yeah. Really? No. It's probably around the same time. And people say you look like him. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Xander's not going anywhere to school. He's probably just going to get a bad job. And then Cordelia comes up and says some mean stuff about Xander and his family. I get that they want to keep her in the show because I'm sure she'll be useful sometime down the road, but it just feels forced the way she shows up to be mean all the time. Like, I feel like she should just ignore Xander. Yeah. Like, why talk to him at all? Yeah, agreed. Giles is in a bad mood because the new watcher is here and he's moving into the library. His name is Wesley Wyndham Price. He's younger, cuter, and somehow more British than Giles. I don't know if he is British. Of course he's British. Is he? I don't think the actor's British. I don't think he's doing a British accent. Um, okay. I don't know. If he, okay. I thought all watchers were British. No, I don't think they are. Well, if he's not British, he's doing a British accent. Okay. He's faced two vampires under controlled circumstances. This is Allison Hannigan's husband, right? Yeah, I don't think he is at this time, but yeah. They met during the show, I think. I assume That's so. That's real life stuff. And they have like wild sex. She like talked about it in an interview one time. He's older than her too, right? Like by a chunk? By a chunk. She's a lot older than her character. By a chunk. <laughs> but he must be like at least 30 in this. Anyway, Buffy comes in to meet him, and maybe just out of solidarity because she loves Giles, but she gives this guy, like, no chance at all. <laughs> like, I don't know. Let him speak first. He's kind of a dork, but, like, so is Giles. Yeah. I get that nobody wanted this, but it doesn't mean he's going to be bad. Right. She just keeps asking Giles if Wesley's evil because <laughs> the other watcher that came was. Yeah. She tells Wesley about the swords, and this rings a bell for him. He knows just which book to look in. The swords belong to the El Illuminati, which I always have to rewatch the scenes where they like explain all the facts because it's complicated. And I had the captains on. I was 100% sure they were saying Illuminati the entire show. Did right. you think they were saying Illuminati? No. It sounds like Illuminati. It does sound like it. And I was like, I just know because I think I remember these people. Oh, okay. But I was like, what? The Illuminati is vampires? <laughs> Sword vampires? Okay. So they're the 
Eliminati. Like, they eliminate, I guess. I want to point out that the first time I saw this, I remember thinking, like, wow, he just, these vampires have swords. I know exactly who these vampires are. But he did specifically say that he studied this town, and these vampires were, like, very much in this town back in the day. Yes. So they're, like, a cult from the 15th century who love to duel, but their numbers dwindled over time. But they started worshipping this demon called Balthazar, who brought them to Sunnydale. By a chunk. (laughs) What? That's not... No, different context. But supposedly they haven't been around because someone killed Balthazar and he had like this amulet that was taken by this rich guy named Gleaves. This was a particularly dense exposition chunk, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And the amulet's probably in Gleaves' mausoleum and Wesley thinks the Illuminati are looking for it, which he's not worried about, but he still thinks Buffy should go get it before they do. I don't buy that all of these artifacts are, like, in these mausoleums. Buffy, like, whenever they think of these artifacts, they're like, oh, yeah, it's probably in the mausoleum. No one's collected these items. Maybe you guys should collect them. Yeah, or the vampires would have them by now. They're raiding mausoleums all the time. You know what I mean? Like, Spike probably found other artifacts when he was in other mausoleums looking for different things. Angel knows everything. You'd think he would just go around collecting them. Yeah, he should have, like, a desk drawer just filled with amulets. Also, I'm not really sure why Wesley's not concerned at all. I guess because he doesn't have real world experience. He's like just going on books. Yeah. Anyway, he wants Buffy to go get it. And she's like, bitch, don't tell me what to do. And then Faith comes in and looks at Wesley. And she's just like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) So Buffy goes to get Faith. Faith, again, reiterates how juiced she gets from slang. I think she does say juiced. In this scene, Buffy, like, does admit that maybe she does get a little juice. Just a little juicy. Just a little juice. There's like a little crooked smile, like, you're a little juice. Jazz? <laughs> Keep thinking what you're thinking, Buffy. <laughs> she doesn't want to help Buffy with this amulet project, so Buffy goes alone. Buffy finds the amulet in one of the coffins, but then the vampires come in and they take it. Faith decides she wants to come, and they notice the vampires have jumped down a little hole. Buffy's hesitant, but Faith convinces her to jump down the hole. It's, like, comically funny how they jump down that hole, too. Yeah, I wouldn't just jump down a hole. You might break your knees at the bottom. I guess maybe they got good shocks. They probably know what's going on with that hole, too. I mean, the girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're slayers. They land well. They're like cats. Yeah. If a vampire can land like that, then they can land like that. So they fight them. One of them almost drowns Buffy to death, but I guess she's adapted to death by drowning now. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I hate when they do that. <laughs> okay, I don't know. You can just decide you don't want to drown. They get the amulet and they take it back to the Watcher Boys. Wesley is reading Giles' Buffy diaries. It's kind of funny because he like said a bunch of mean stuff about her early on. Yeah. And she didn't have good vocabulary or something, but in like a mean British Giles way. Buffy's like, uh, you said these guys were extinct. Why so many? I feel like Wesley is smart, but it's clear he hasn't had, like, a lot of monster experience and that he just finished reading Watching a Slayer for Dummies. Yeah, he even has a line where he's, like, says something to Giles, like, you know, not everything's in books. We have world experience. is important. But it's like, you're talking about yourself in reverse. Right. You are the guy who has no idea what the real world's like. But he reminds her that he's her watcher, and the only thing she needs to discuss with Giles is overdue book fees. Ooh, burn. Book burn. Burn the books. Move forever. Gosh. And he tells Giles that he's not helping. And Giles is like, I know, and I feel just sick about it. That was funny. I don't understand the library logistics. Okay, so did the Watchers Council tell Giles to become a librarian to the school? Or was that just like Giles' way of sneaking close to Buffy? Right. 
Because it doesn't make any sense now. Is let's say the Watchers Council told Giles to do it. Wouldn't they now be like, you have to not be the school librarian because this is the general Sunnydale Watcher ruse and Wesley's going to be the librarian now? And if not, then like, is Principal Snyder not like, hey, weird British man with no affiliation to this school? What are you doing in here? Yeah, like Wesley needs his own place to camp out. They don't say this, but like maybe Giles is supposed to be kind of training him. Right. I feel like no, though, because he was like straight up fired and there's like a million watchers that aren't doing anything. I mean, he could be like transitioning like, here's all you need to know about my stuff. I get that it makes sense to have him be conveniently at the school because Buffy's got like classes to go to for some reason. That's another thing that doesn't make sense, which this episode kind of is weird about. We'll get into that. I think Giles is hanging out because he wants to support Buffy. And he lost his water job. He needs his library gig. Yeah. I get why he wouldn't quit the job, but why did he have that job? Right. I always wondered that. Right. And now it's even more confusing. Buffy's got to go take this big chemistry test they've been pimping the whole episode. And Xander and Will just want to take the test so bad. But Buffy keeps rambling about the Slayer High she's learning about. She notices that Xander twitches every time she says Faith. So clearly Faith didn't tell her about her and Xander. Buffy just, like, keeps talking. There's, like, no chance this teacher wouldn't, like, kick her out at some point. Yeah, they start taking the test, and the teacher kind of tells Buffy to shut up, like, once, but she does not. She just keeps talking. Like, fully turns around and starts talking to Willow. She said something about the honor system, so maybe that was supposed to be our clue that the teacher is going to leave the room, but, like, when does the teacher leave the room for a test? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it has happened. Like, she would have yelled at Buffy. They can't fire teachers in Sunnydale. I guess. There just aren't enough people alive life to fill the positions. So she's probably like, I'm going to go drink in the hallway. <laughs> With Alex? Yes, me and Alex. <laughs> and then Faith shows up at the window, inviting Buffy to exit the window with her, and like, no one notices. Willow like and Xander. a wet dream of mine. What? What? Huh? Brian. Like, none of the students look up at all? Like, wh- why is there a woman at the window? Why is someone going out the window? Who was the heart for? Faith drew a heart. Was that for Xander or Buffy? I think it was for Buffy? Well, she puts an arrow through it. I guess that could be like a let's kill some vampires. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Faith found a vampire nest. I guess that's where they sleep in the day because it's daytime. So they bust in there, burn them all with the sun, and then I guess fight the rest of them that managed to escape the sun. Cut to dancing. I feel like they cut a scene from the show because we made a very big deal of it being daytime. Right. And suddenly it must be night because Angel shows up later. Mm -hmm. So like he can't get to the bronze in the day. But it it didn't seem like enough time had passed. Like I needed to see a montage of them slaying all day because they're they're like dancing. Like they're celebrating the beautiful slayage they've done. Right. And then all these guys just like start grinding up on them. Angel shows up. He's got a new jacket. Buffy runs over to him and just, like, jumps on him, straddles him, legs around him. She's acting, like, so flirty. Like, is she is she drunk? Did they cut a scene that she, like, chugged nine beers? Did they cut an episode where her and Angel became a couple? Yeah, I'm so confused. I mean, I feel like that's supposed to be like, hey, look how careless she's being, not thinking of the consequences of flirting sexually with Angel. Yeah, but then, like, maybe that other scene should have been before yeah. this, where, like, Faith dives into that more. I do want to say something about this scene real quick. Okay. The scene where Buffy and Faith are dancing, this is like a fun Easter egg. In the cartoon X-Men Evolution, there's the opening credits. They show a scene where like two of the X-Men women are like dancing at a club. And it is 100% like they watched this scene and put paper over it and just traced it. Hmm. Buffy and Faith dancing like is the exact same motions that the girls do in the opening. Interesting. Angel's not into it. He's there to talk about Balthazar because he's been talking to his connections who we never see again. 
Apparently, Balthazar is alive, and he's in one of the town's many warehouses. He wants the amulet to restore his strength, and apparently that would be bad news. Then Wesley shows up. How does he know where she is? Does Buffy have, like, a tracker on her? Like, everyone finds her. I don't think so, because he specifically was like, when you go slaying, you need to let me know a number I can call you at. That's true. You know, the graveyard phone. That's funny, specifically, because there was, like, a 1-800-collect commercial, like, around this time that Buffy was in. Really? Yeah, like Buffy, too. Not As Buffy? Keller. Yeah. Weird. It was, like, a chance to win a cameo on the show. Who won? Uh, I did. No. No, I did not. Angel's like, who's this clown? Where's the amulet? And Wesley, I guess, is just walking around with it in his pocket. It's funny that Angel hates this guy, too. <laughs> he just, like, points out how stupid it is that he's carrying it around. They kind of just ignore him. And Angel takes the amulet to keep it safe, kisses Buffy on the mouth. Yep. Not something they've been doing. Yep. Like, what, what is their relationship? What is happening? They were like, we can't be together or the world will end. <laughs> but now we just straddle each other to say hello and we kiss to say goodbye? Yeah. You could sort of justify Buffy was being careless, but then Angel, like, is like, it's kissy time. What is happening? Wesley says the same thing. He's as confused as me. They all (laughs) just ignore him. By the way, Buffy's arm is just bleeding profusely. This entire scene. Yep. Big cut on the top of her arm. Just a gash. Angel doesn't notice. Wesley doesn't notice. The three dudes rubbing up on her as they're dancing don't notice. I don't care how hot the girl is. If she's bleeding, you have, like, some questions. Yeah, if I'm dancing with a girl and I'm like, wait, is your blood getting all over me? Are you okay? Are you sick? I need to know. <laughs> Put a napkin over it or something. A napkin? <laughs> this is a cocktail napkin or a muffin napkin. Or, or wear a long sleeve, something. And then we meet Balthazar. Buy a chunk. <laughs> he is a giant roly-poly pink demon <laughs> with like a butt mouth where his tummy should be. And he lives in a kiddie pool. <laughs> <laughs> some poor dude just constantly ladling water over him. Is he a sloppy steak? <laughs> sloppy steak is a reference to the sketch show I think you should leave on Netflix. Season two. Very deep cut. It's clear, I feel like, that they saw the movie Blade 2 and they were like, ooh, a fat vampire. Let's make a fat demon. He looks uh bad. Like, he's wearing this fat suit and his arms are supposed to look like they have rolls, but you can tell it's just like where the suit ends. And his real arms began, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, can we do something a little different with those arms? Dude looks like if the master got his machine running and never stopped slopping it down. <laughs> Blood will do that to you? Eventually, man. Okay, who's worshipping this guy? Well, I mean, I get why you do, because he's got the telekinesis. He doesn't need to move around. He's got a pool. He's ahead of these religious vampires. I don't really understand why he cares about the vampires. He wants his amulet bad. He gets mad at one of them, and he, like, telekinesis it's over to his front butt, which he eats it with? Is that part of his body naturally? Did he... Did he ask for that? I don't know. Also, this guy's attitude is very like, I want my candy now. Yeah, he's a lot. Yeah, and he's a lot. Mm-hmm. So he calls Vincent, which is like the number one Illuminati that we keep seeing. He calls him closer. There's no way there aren't like eight outtakes of this scene. Like, how did anyone make it through any of the scenes with this guy? And Vincent's like right in his face. <laughs> Come closer. Come closer. Buffy and Faith are spying on this. I'm shocked by how not shocked they are. How juiced do you think they're going to get watching this guy? Oh, man. <laughs> they're probably so juiced right now. Faith would be so juiced if she juiced this guy. This guy needs juice all over his body just to live. <laughs> Faith decides they need weapons, so they break into a store, and she just really drives home her whole Slayer mantra of want, take, have, and Buffy's like, yeah, okay. 
So they steal a bunch of weapons, and then, of course, the cops come. They take them away in their car. Faith convinces Buffy to, like, cause them to get in a car accident, and then they just, like, leave the cops, maybe for dead. I don't don't think they actually die, but, like, they don't know that they'll be okay. First off, this is the second episode where cops show up immediately after a crime has been committed. Well, maybe there's, like, alarms and stuff if you break a window. But every single episode is, like, 15 people were murdered. But where were the cops then? They only care about burglary. Yeah, they just have, like, an alarm. It's like, it's a ghost. We don't go. Well, they're not the Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's what they say. We're not the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Sit back down. I also wish that Faith had said to Buffy more, like, you know, we've saved the world. That's what we do. Like, we should get perks. I feel like that's a pretty good justification. I guess it's implied, but. Yeah. Buffy's feeling a little uneasy about all this, but Faith don't care. Want take half, baby, says Faith. In your head cannon. <laughs> The next morning, Buffy's scouring the vamp papers, probably to see if the cops died or if something was reported about the break-in. I don't know. And Joyce is, like, trying super hard to make brunch happen, I guess. That's kind of all that scene is. This newspaper is, like, obviously fake because there's, like, no photos whatsoever in it. It's just, like, no newspaper is just text. It's well, like vampires a- don't photograph. <laughs> just in it. Yeah, that's true. That's the only reason. They stopped taking photos. Nobody was in them. Every time you take a photo of a crime, there's just nobody there. There's an Illuminati in the mayor's office. Way to go, Alan. Somehow he gets blamed. This scene is dumb because the mayor is first with a bunch of Boy Scouts. Yeah. He draws the shades, and then Mr. Trick comes out. Then they open the cabinet, I guess, to get his hand wipes, right? But it's like, okay, if the mayor didn't have a vampire working for him and hadn't just shut the blinds to let that vampire in, this Illuminati vampire would have died immediately. Oh, yeah. How did he get in there? Bad plan, dude. (laughs) How did he get in there if the shades were open? Yeah, I don't know. But Mr. Trick saves the mayor by knocking out the vampire, and the mayor wants to lock him up. Instead of killing him. Mr. Trick points out that he'll probably just try to kill him again. And the mayor's like, yeah, cool. Love that idea. Okay. Balthazar is still doing his thing. Whatever that is. He's pissed that he doesn't have his amulet. And he says it's been a hundred years since his enemy crippled him. And now ultimate power is within that enemy's grasp. What did the enemy do to him? Like, how much of this is his natural form? Was he always a big dude? Did he always have this tummy mouth situation? Was he always so dry? Was was the water always part of it? Like, why does he have to be wet? (laughs) Why does he have to be wet, baby? I just love the writers. Okay, and then this demon needs to be dripped on constantly. He wants the washers. He wants the slayers dead. He is wet and upset. Willow is finally getting around to giving Buffy that protection spell she's been babbling on about for about four episodes. And Buffy's, like, barely grateful. Right. Willow's excited to go slaying, and Buffy's like, mm, sorry, I'm kind of doing this bad girl thing now. You can't come. Sorry, I'm going to zeppo you. Mm, sorry, Willow. And then Faith shows up, and Buffy goes with her. Faith shows up looking like Han Solo. Yeah, she's, she's made an outfit choice. And Willow's so sad. And that's just, like, kind of the last we see of Willow in this episode. Buffy wasn't as mean to her as I said. Buffy felt bad. I think she was just trying to protect Willow since she knows Faith into some weird shit now. And it's good she didn't go. Apparently, Faith went back and stole another crossbow. Some Illuminati show up and they fight them. They're super tough. And then Faith gets a little too carried away and accidentally stabs the mayor's servant man. And he dies. But this is a big deal. This isn't like Buffy killing Ted 15 minutes in the episode where you think he's probably not actually dead. This is like no way this character is important enough to keep alive. He's dead dead. Yeah. We, we like watch him die. Yeah. Well, we watch Ted die too. Ted was a bad dude. This guy seemed like maybe he wasn't bad even though he was working for the mayor. It seemed like he didn't like working for the mayor. It seemed like he would have been killed by the mayor if he quit working for the mayor. That's true. 
Buffy and Faith bail. They get separated. Buffy runs an angel. He's like, Buffy, I've been looking for you. I got this new jacket. You didn't even say anything about it last time. <laughs> are we kissing now? I would like to see where we're at. Okay, I'm we're, very confused. What are we, how do we greet on this occasion? Wait, but there's blood on your hand. Literal blood on your hand. <laughs> Mind you, he did not care about the gaping wound she had the other day. Yeah, the giant bloody wound. Who cares? I guess you could argue he could smell it wasn't hers, maybe. Oh, sure, sure. Like, he knows it's blood on her hands. Yeah, like blood on her hands. Yeah, like audience. not literal blood. Yeah, like Macbeth. But he tells her that Balthazar has Giles. By a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> what? Stop trying to make by a chunk happen. Listen, it's going to catch on. Wesley and Giles were fighting in the library about Giles' methods, and Giles is like, criticize my methods all you want, but keep your snide remarks to yourself. And while you're at it, don't criticize my methods. (laughs) But they turn around, and some Illuminati are patiently waiting to take them away. So Angel's right. They're at the warehouse. Balthazar, getting ladled, says, the front, the front, moisten the front. (laughs) Is this, like, specifically for his blowhole? Just the front in general? There's no way that line was in the script. (laughs) Yeah. That guy was trying some stuff. Moisten the side. <laughs> I am convinced this guy brought his own costume. Every choice he made was his own. The director's like, if you want to reel it in, you can. And he was like, no. I got my own ideas. What about a demon that constantly is glazed? I promise I won't make it sexual sounding. He didn't, really. Until the front parts. Moisten the front. <laughs> didn't need to be said. Giles is pretty calm. Wesley's freaking out, and I don't blame him. This is fucked up shit we're watching. Giles is pissed because Wesley insisted this dude was dead. And then Balthazar's like, you know what I want. And Giles says, if it's to scrub those hard-to-reach areas, I'm out. (laughs) Maybe don't, though, Giles. Giles is like, we're gonna die. Like, it doesn't matter. But Giles has also gotten out of literally every situation ever. So does he actually think he's gonna die? I guess if he's getting out of every situation, he's also not gonna die. So yeah, make some jokes, Giles. Go ahead. It's not like this guy can do much to him. I mean, I guess he's... He's got the telekinesis. That's true. And he has an army of vampires. Yes. But it's like lack of water streaming over him for any minute will kill him. They could just like kill the ladle boy. I don't know. How many vampires are left? Like we've seen Buffy and Faith kill like a dozen of them at this point, And we only saw like a dozen of them total when they were lined up in front of them. And Balthazar's eating half of them. Like, I mean, there must be dozens of them fetching water at all times. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a fireman line getting him water. Wesley's like, I know who has your amulet. He's just like caving under the pressure. Super fast. Comically fast. Giles is like, God, you suck. But Balthazar is like, oh yeah, what's his name? And Wesley's like, I don't know. And then Angel shows up in his super cool jacket, full vamp face, and he says, his name is Angel. And I brought my girlfriend and her stunt double. Kind of a cool fight scene. Giles like headbutts someone and then Buffy like has a sword and she slices off Giles' restraints and then he shoves Wesley out of harm's way and then Giles has a little sword fight and Wesley like begs for his help and then Giles slices off one of the vampire's heads. Yeah. It's like, suck it, Wesley. But dude in the pool is just like screaming, unacceptable. (laughs) But then he like sucks Angel in with his sucking power. But somehow Angel is able to withstand the butt mouth. For a little bit. Not sure what's different about. Maybe it's just super dry this time. Yes, that's why he needs to keep his hole lubed. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, it's not lubed up, it's taking longer. But lucky, Buffy's very good with wires and pipes and does some electricity business that zaps him in his little kiddie pool. He's got enough life left in him, though, to deliver a message. That they think they've won, but when he rises, they wish they'll be dead. He meaning this enemy. And then he's done. No longer in need of moisture. 
The mayor is saying a little spell in a seance circle. It's a pentagram, but yeah. It's a seance circle. Mm -hmm. He's pretty bummed that Alan wasn't here for this. And then Mr. Trick asks if the spell worked. I thought that was funny. Alan would have loved this. (laughs) (laughs) He's always like evil, evil, evil thing. Cute little mayor thing. It's a fun shtick. Like he seems like a nice guy. Right. Mr. Trick asked if the spell worked. He's like, I don't know. Let's open up that cage and find out. And he gives Vincent a sword and lets him out. And then Vincent, like, slices the mayor's head in half, turning it into a cartoon temporarily. And then his head comes back together. Very cartoon-like. I mean, it looks like a cartoon because the CGI is bad, but also that's like a cartoon thing that happens. So I guess it worked. The seance circle. He crosses become invincible off of his otherwise very normal mayoral (laughs) to-do And then he says, this officially commences the 100 days and that nothing can harm him until the ascension. So I guess this was the dedication? Yeah. My question is, why would he chance it? Like, what if it didn't work? Did he know it would work? He just, like, let this dude slice him in half? I get the impression the mayor's, like, pretty good at magic. Sure. Well, then he's off to get a root beer. Buffy goes to visit Faith. She's like, wow, you killed a dude. We should talk about it. You must be super traumatized right now. And she's like, nope. Dealt with the body and I don't care that I killed someone. She did. There was like a quick scene I didn't mention where they like show her going back to look at the body, kind of making it seem like she's sad, but I don't think she was sad. I think she was just like thinking about how to get rid of the body. Right. And um, that's the end. Yeah, I mean, it ends like I was saying, like, that's it, Buffy. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Cut to black. Yeah. No Xander peanut butter jokes. Just Faith being hardcore. Yeah. Brian, was this a good one? Yeah, I think it was a good one. It was a lot. It's a lot. It felt like a pilot just setting up a bunch of new stuff. And then like 50% of the way through, this dude in a tub shows up. Yeah. I, it's it's almost like if they could have introduced Wesley like an episode before to give us some more buffer there. You know what I mean? Buffy buffer? Yeah. It's just like a lot. But uh, I do think it was a good episode. I thought it was funny. But more than that, I thought it just like really moved a lot of plot pieces along. You said you like Wesley a lot. Yes, which is going to be confusing. But okay. yes, I do. I love Wesley. Um, I don't love Wesley at the moment. Okay. I thought he was fine. Yeah, it's it's going. It's complicated. I'm interested by the dynamic. But I believe you that it's complicated. I love to hate Wesley. I had an issue with just the transition of Buffy being so sudden. Like, it doesn't make sense that she goes to school. We've talked about this. Yeah. If she's just going to be a slayer for life, why do you care about high school? Just be done with high school. You don't need to go to college. Right. But that's not the reality they've set up. They've set up that she needs to do well in school. She's right. actually actively trying to stay in school. Right. To not get expelled by the principal. Mm-hmm. And they made a big deal out of her getting a great SAT scores and wants to go to college. Right. So her suddenly being like, fuck school, is weird. And it happens so fast. She goes bad so quickly. I don't know. I'm and torn. then immediately repents. Yeah. I don't know. She's a teen. And I feel like the stuff that she routinely goes through, I I don't think that it's that crazy for one day to her be like, yeah, God, just fuck it. Yeah. I almost died yesterday again. Whatever. Every day I almost died. Like I could see her being like, oh, I, just, I don't want to take this test. And I'm being told finally, finally by someone that I don't have to. Sure. But her and Faith were also like on bad terms. And I don't know that they resolved that. Sure. So now they're like weirdly good friends in this episode. I agree that it's a bit of a turn, but I I also justify it with like, I don't know, it's not that crazy since Faith is the first person to tell her like, yeah, you don't have to do these things. It was good. It was just like a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of new information and a lot of like over the top stuff. The Giles and Wesley things were all very fun. Like Giles being kind of a child about this new guy taking over his job. But also, I mean, Giles is better than him at like everything. I don't know that there was a thing that Wesley did that Giles couldn't have done. He, like, did know about the monster, but he, like, got it wrong. Right. I bet Giles would have eventually figured that out. Yeah, he said it sounded familiar. 
I mean, I don't know anything about Wesley yet, but like it'd be cool if he like was into computers or something and like had a digital card catalog, you right. know, that he can like find stuff faster than Giles. But they didn't really spell that out. I think it was good. It was just overwhelming. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces in this episode. It made me stressed out. Yeah. So which one do you think was better? I think Gilmore was better. I like that episode of Gilmore Girls a lot. And this one made me go, what? A lot. I'm interested in all the stuff it's set up, but I, it, it felt like a part one type of Buffy. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Buffy. Oh. Because we- I thought that Gilmore Girls, while it was good dramatically, I just thought a lot of the stuff was like not well done. I thought the Jess fight, I told you, like, it's silly. It's, like, legitimately silly that he wouldn't have come up with something to say to Rory. Yeah. Especially when later he just comes up with one quickly that's totally fine. Um, And he knows that meeting her grandmother's important. So it's just, like, crazy that he wouldn't at least say it wasn't Dean. And then for the same thing I said about Luke, I don't like that exposing his vulnerability thing. That's a small thing, but it, it does sort of irk me. And then also the scene where her mother is like, you should stay at your grandma's house. I thought that was all just like not well written, honestly. And the stuff with Lane and Dave was weird. That was a little weird. And I thought the Christian joke was just like super telegraphed. So for me, I feel like it just didn't gel perfectly. And Buffy had a lot of plot stuff in it. And you're right that it was like maybe too busy, but I liked what they had. So I'm going to go with Buffy. Interesting. Do you know that we have not disagreed since the first episode of this season? No. Yeah. The first episode of the season, you went Gilmore and I went Buffy. But every other episode, I believe we've agreed. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 15, Consequences. For Faith, I imagine. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 15, Face Off. For Nicolas Cage, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes we discussed in this podcast. Why does he need to be wet? Why did Jess lie about his bruise to Rory at the end? Have you had a bad experience with a bird? Tell me. I want to know. What's the weirdest thing you've done with a ladle? What is Angel and Buffy's relationship right now? Do you think Lorelai and Alex did it? If you were dancing with someone at a club and they were like bleeding, would you like ask them about it? Or just like dance about it? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, and it would really help get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. For more comedy content not related to the podcast, you can follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. And if social media is not your thing, and I get it, man, there's a lot of misinformation out there, you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Should we go check on the cat? Yeah. Maybe play some boobies and tubies? Maybe moisten the front. By a chunk. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.